It is time to tune up the band, and who's that jumping out the sky? For it is another episode of the Sweet Chidwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Rhiannon, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. Booyaka, chaps, how are you doing? <laughs> There's going to be a lot of this, guys. Just, just, just get yourself ready. <laughs> just prepare mentally, prepare yourself. Look, Those right, of you listening, that this going, is it. We're going to get round to the question eventually of course so when yes. it comes up we will be prepared and people will be mad oh, and be so we will mad. be there and we will hold our ground absolutely holding our ground <laughs> so apart from preparing ourselves for that eventuality how are yes. we doing i'm good i am living on cloud nine right now even though my voice does not say it <laughs> it is um it's been a busy week but a good week oh i forgot to tell you guys um before like before we started recording, I've officially had that that glow up. I got them sweet pair of vans now. I thought you meant the Morpheus so, sunglasses. You're an indie as well, kid. But... You're officially yes. an indie kid. Yes, I am. Officially, <laughs> no, I, 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 have, I... I have regressed back into my skater boy look. <laughs> I will not be saying "see you later, boy." Though I was gonna say, <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, but that's just me coming from a guy who's been looking at Jordans and thinking, you know what, maybe oh, same. if I have the money. Oh, same. Oh, absolutely, the, those Jordans will be mine at one point. I will have the most garish like colour scheme of Jordan 1s possible. Oh yeah, but that that's yeah. the aim though, that's the game, <laughs> unless you're me. <laughs> Eventually, that'll be a that'll be that'll be for me when I actually get a job or when we get that sweet Patreon money where we can actually have wages. Yeah. But I digress. <laughs> we give you those, or well, we give you this podcast. Sorry, I should say thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Booyaka booyaka, ABP. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. It had that. to be done. <laughs> it had to be done. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Patreon. We do have a Patreon as ever, and I must announce that we have a new, a new Patreon in the Heartbreak Quid quid tier, and that is our dear friend from down under, Mr. Josh Robinson. Josh, we love you. You're the best. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you ever so, so much. much, Josh. We appreciate it, buddy. But as ever, as we always like to say, for, for day early releases of our episodes and for little updates here and there, especially how I'm doing on video projects, mm-hmm. all of that stuff, plus an exclusive Discord server, can be yours. I know. It's so good. <laughs> when you mm. head over to Sweet Chinwag's Patreon. I'm getting good at this now, p- plugging the Patreon, aren't I? Oh, yeah. I mean, we got it. <laughs> we got it some. <laughs> Okay, so before we get on to our last episode in this National Hispanic Heritage Month, all about our one of our favourite luchadors, it's time to visit Dan for this week's Grand Slam edition of Wrestling News. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling News. <laughs> Just like a tennis commentator there, I like it, Dan. Hell yeah. <laughs> So what, it's what I get for living near living near Wimbledon for so long. <laughs> Tennis is in my blood. Along <laughs> with strawberries and cream. <laughs> Couldn't sad more Tory if you tried. No. Uh... <laughs> Alright, well it's time for me to change up my voice then. 
<laughs> let's get into it. And let's just first off start by saying Raw was actually quite good. It was which cohesive. Which is a weird statement to say. It was cohesive. Um, given everything really that happened. Um, it took a bunch of people from SmackDown coming over <laughs> to create that actual sem- semblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. But there were there were quite a few good matches in there, mm. including that triple threat. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. it, it, it shows that all the people on Raw are very, very capable. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Just for whatever reason, something else, I couldn't tell you what, um, <laughs> just isn't making things work. <laughs> Weird seeing Roman in a raw ring once more. I was half expecting the whole crowd to boo him. I know. <laughs> I was wondering How time changed again. Uh, you know, it's like the you know, it's like the definition of insanity is that doing the same thing over and expecting a different result. I know. Speaking of which, the WWE draft's coming up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, it was it was it was a question that was brought up by someone um, on Twitter recently. But I, I only just kind of properly deeped it, which is that um, the draft often take the draft takes place the month before Survivor Series. <laughs> Yay! Huh? So which is that the brand, the brand, the brand event? That is, brand yeah, that's stuff a is weird, point. isn't it? And now I've actually processed that fact. I'm like, all right, that that that's confusing. <laughs> but hey, that's that's contemporary WWE to. A- to a T. Yes. <laughs> um, but no, I, I just wanted to acknowledge that Raw actually was quite good this week, and there were some good bits of there. Let's get to NXT, though. NXT 2.0, and let's just put it out there, right? Bron Breaker is just the most Steiner a, per- a person could possibly be. I'm still annoyed. I'm still annoyed with the name because it's like everyone. Oh, you and, and mean, everyone else. Everyone knows he's a Steiner. Why not capitalize on that? Oh, right. Wait. Uh, his, yeah, his, 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 un- his uncle threatened uh, the C the CCO or the COO of the company, didn't he? Yeah, uh, that would do it. I think if yeah, anything, that, would that I think that elevates him to to become more of a Steiner. If I'm honest. Oh yes. <laughs> Uh, but it's, you know they say that all bronze are created equal, but they but you look at him and you look at Braun Strowman, you can see that statement is not true. <laughs> the day that we that we could the fact we could possibly end up getting like, I mean I'm still calling him Rex Steiner. I don't care. <laughs> the fact that we could get Rex Steiner versus Samoa Joe with NXT 2.0 bars. Oh, um, could you imagine just a throwback to he's fat. <laughs> I, I, look, I just need him to say 33 and a third. That's it. That's all I need. Give me that and I'll be happy. Because <laughs> uh, they literally got him on the mic and I was like, it, I was like if, you close your, if you close your eyes and you heard that. <laughs> it's Scott so bad. It is Scott You could Steiner. reasonably believe that that is Scott Steiner. <laughs> But needless to say, I feel like out of the whole of this whole rebrand, I feel that uh, that Rex has really shined the most out of all of these people that have come in um, to the fold of the new roster, uh, for sure. It is it is crazy that he's only been wrestling for like months. Yeah. Really. Really. 
he he finished up playing college football. Mm-hmm. Wow. And like, I mean, as he's exactly as smooth as you would expect from a person whose uncle, whose dad is Rick Steiner and uncle is Scott Steiner. You know, the legends of the collegiate wrestling scene in Michigan. <laughs> so he's, like, he's he going to pick it up. smooth with it. All I'm saying is, if he doesn't have the Steiner screwdriver as a finisher, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I think the Steiner screwdriver is still banned in WWE. Which is... I would imagine so. They technically count it as a pile driver. Mm. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Which, I mean, which I is, guess... Is, I guess, but also it's fake because the Steiner screwdriver absolutely fucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Like, undeniably so. <laughs> I mean, what else can we say? I mean, I'm still... I'm still trying to get used to uh, 2.0, the NXT is a rebrand, especially when you hear news that Vince wants to make it a darker, edgier product, in which case, why did you rebrand in the first place? Yeah, why did he like, was fine? would like a darker, edgier product while all of our set design says Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, guessing, I, I'm guessing the edgier thing was about Joe Gacy, which, ho, Fox News picked up hook, line, and sinker, didn't they? He's like, look, it's an attack on the woke culture. Look at them. We're so proud of WWE. And what do they do? They get rid of the character within a couple of days. <laughs> I think it's kind. I mean, I think the impressive parts of that was that it had, it had Fox like both simultaneously attacking and defending WWE at the same time. Yes. <laughs> um, over a character that was being done by Joe Gacy, and like, it's 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 an adjustment to deal with that character for Joe Gacy considering his gimmick in CCW is basically manhunt the game the person yes literally <laughs> was the, the personification of manhunt but also I think he probably could have done something interesting with it mm. assuming that they were actually going for a darker and edgier tone <laughs> Yes. Um I mean I still don't I still don't I still very much hate the idea of people using um concepts of social justice uh, as a means to promote agendas through character gimmicks. <laughs> but that, was that, I was going to say wasn't that the whole Trump campaign? Uh no. <laughs> Uh, Look, you can't just walk into my house and start spitting facts. <laughs> um, uh... But um, it it did kind it did kind of compound onto something that someone else said to me, which is about obviously with a lot of this right now they're kind of trying to you know flush everyone through and bring in all the new people. Yeah. So you're getting like lots of intro vignettes and lots of like new people that you kind of got to take in, learn. It's in a way is a lot like kind of early NXT. Mm. where you're just like meeting all these people and you're just like oh okay it's this person this person this person this person yeah but you know with 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 what it is now i don't think i'm necessarily you know as concerned as i was before no but i feel like again i still feel like it's in that point where they don't actually know what they want it to be <laughs> And there's the problem. It's just we it's... want a darker, edgier tone, and then we have like the set design. You have um, 
you know, some of the new character and stuff they go on, like Andre Chase University, which I think is hilarious as a as a pun, but <laughs> you know, like you know, f- things like that, and um, I d- I don't know necessarily if I necessarily feel the same about the presentation of the women's division and stuff. Yeah, you know, um, but that sort of stuff and kind of where it sits now i mean at least 205 live is getting more attention and by attention i mean like production wise not as in like actual viewing but i mean you're right you are right it is but then also they still should rebrand it from 205 live at this point exactly um because it's it's not and it's not that anymore um it's a real it is a real identity crisis yeah, I feel it's, uh, NXT is suffering from at the moment. Um, yes, and at the cost of some really good talent as well in the, um, on the roster that they have. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just you know, we ha- we now have Roderick Strong as cruiserweight champion now uh, with the yeah. Diamond Mine. Um, uh, it remains to be seen where where Kushida goes from here. I'd like to see Kushida possibly be now into the main event if they're really going to push it. I mean. What would you say to a Kushida, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne build main event for NXT? Because that sounds quite uh, promising to from me. From the sound, it, it would fuck. <laughs> it sounds great. Throwing Whether Samoa we're going to get it or not. Throwing Samoa Joe and Bron Breaker. I'd say that's pretty good. That's pretty solid. Like, I'd, say, I'd say that's pretty good. But then also <laughs> with the shift of how WWE and NXT is going right now, I just don't know where it fits. Yeah. Although, uh, if there ever was a time to bring back the time split gimmick, then now is the time. Yes. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's not that I don't mind Kushida embrace fully embracing Sakuraba, but maybe it is time to bring back the uh, the puffy uh, the puffy gelée and denim jacket. Just, just bring bring back the presentation. Keep the moves, though. Bring back Alex Shetty. Oh no, that's too much to ask, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Too much to ask. WWE could never. No. <laughs> he's too happy chilling out in the Midwest with BLP, and I don't blame him because he's an amazing stuff. I do not blame him one bit. Um, what else do we have? Uh, that from um, oh yeah, we have it. We have the name. We have the name for uh, uh Mandy Rose's faction now. Yes, Toxic Attraction. Uh- that's 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 a that's a girl group name from 2004, and I will not yes. hear any talk otherwise. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, with the presentation, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I vibe with it though. Absolutely, I do. Mandy Rose, Lacey Lane, and Gigi Dolan. So mm. I think it was well. Mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've been confused about the existence of the <laughs> the NXT Women's Tag Titles. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I I forgot they existed. I'm not gonna lie. But I mean, you know, they could do with a refresh, and we all know how good Gigi Dolan is, or formerly Priscilla Kelly. So I mean, there's nothing really to to lose there. True. Very true. Uh, you know, I said the diamond mine still going strong as ever. <laughs> uh, I mean, of the two new of the two new people, two of the new people. Sorry, that we've had that been introduced to. We obviously have. Um, as my friend, as one of my friends called him, uh, Tony Macaroni. 
uh, actually called Tony D'Angelo, who is basically just, um, if you lumped all of the Sopranos together into one person. <laughs> Which is a terrifying thought. Yes. Like, I can't lie. It basically borders on just, like, old-school 80s stereotypical Italian-American. Like... <laughs> yeah, that's something I gotta... Uh, does that stereotype, like, gel these days? Like, I honestly don't know. Because, like, the thing is, for the last... Ever since The Sopranos, basically, <laughs> it's been basically the twilight of this stereotype. Basically, WWE is reviving it. <laughs> uh, they couldn't get James Gandolfini. They couldn't get his son. So fuck it. We'll just get someone who could do a good impression of James Gandolfini. Just, just like, like they. Martin Scorsese made the Irishman for a reason, guys. It's <laughs> over. So th this is a thing that we still have that we that we have, and he was doing his promo talking about how his. Well, it was his previous one where he was like, you know, my family made their money in, like, waste collection, which is like, get it? Yes. I, I, I was, oh, waste management. Uh, I see mm. where to go with it. I, I just kind of looked at it and I was just like, is, is 2021 the time that we're doing this? <laughs> I mean, in the, if this was 1999 when the first season hit, oh, it would have been perfect. I, I my family's waste management, you know, meat markets. I'm going, oh, you, yeah, I see where you're going with like, this. <laughs> You've got a New York accent, despite the fact you're built from Chicago. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha, Mr. D'Angelo. <laughs> fucking comes out and just cuts an entire promo about, like, deep dish pizza. <laughs> Uh, and then the one that has taken social media by storm is the Von Wagner Hive. <laughs> Von Wagner. Of which they, they, did a, they did a skit or a vignette showing his training routine. Um, he's tall as hell, and WWE seemed to have some good stock behind him because they just put him in a title match like last week. Um, and then I just want to mention um, someone from... On this show, there's uh, quite a lot of people that we look we look up to a lot, and one of them is Kristen from Tiger Driver, and I would like to do a reading of his Von Wagner shirt that he made. <laughs> Horse to meet you. My name is Von Wagner. Born to shit, forced to wipe. What the dog doing? It's literal art. <laughs> Incredible. There's a reason why he's a genius and is the owner of a of a successful clothing brand. <laughs> like genuinely, it is perfect. There is no improvement to be made on it. <laughs> oh, he is a borderline genius. But yeah, it's. It, I'll be interested to see what happens now over the next few months. I imagine, uh, and yes. what happens with all the new people that have coming in from NXT. We haven't even mentioned AEW and how good that uh, they've been on. We haven't uh, because role. we've still got SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's only really one important thing from SmackDown, and that is WWE releasing a list of the top 10 times that the hometown hero lost in their hometown, <laughs> which in wrestling terms is kind of a bad thing. <laughs> I swear to God that had better been a rip by the editing team. Like that, like losing in your hometown when when you're important is not meant to be a good thing. 
Oh, it's and just... they're just like, here's ten times we did this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just what? ribbing the boys. Oh, I love it. Oh. I, I like genuinely. There's not a there's not a whole lot to say to it. <laughs> there really isn't. It's just it's just confusing, <laughs> and especially then when we get over into AEW, being held out of I be, I believe officially it's Queens. Yeah, Queens, New York, where you had um, Eddie and Santana and Ortiz standing tall like in their home in their home city <laughs> yeah so cool great place as well a great a great place nah, I mentioned great. It. a great place to put it in off rush stadium and the way tennis like tennis arenas and, and courts are, are structured is that as we said the seating is structured in such a way that everyone gets a good view in the ring and it looks really good i thought the vi- mm. visually it was a it was perfect um oh man what a way why not you just go screw it let's just make it opening match the match everyone just wants to see omega versus danielson put it on opening match i i I think it is important though that like we do kind of I, i don't know why people have this huge stigma about the opening match it's all weird because it's all about pacing, really. I know there's all like the stuff about like, oh, what match goes on last or what segment goes on last, and that's kind of depends on your philosophy in wrestling. Mm. Personally, I belong to the you know, I belong to the title should go last camp. Mm-hmm. But mm. also, this was a non-title match anyway, so yeah. <laughs> um. But like, if you have a match that obviously everyone wants to see, why not just put it on first? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, I know people will do the whole thing of like, oh, people will stay, and you know, for you know, they'll stay for there to get to the main event and then watch the really big match. But also, just the uh, energy of being like, look, we know that you want this, <laughs> yeah. so let's just do it now. <laughs> also, fair play to them as well for put- for booking the women's match to be the main event. Yeah, as well. I'm glad that they. I'm. I'm finally glad that they did that, and that was a great match as well. No, it was. Uh, but, um, I mean, th- there's there's not much for me to say about Omega V Danielson that hasn't already been said. It was tremendous. Mm. It was. It, it, it was great. It was, it was Omega V Danielson. So yeah, it was like. like... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, honestly, it, it blows my mind that the man a main evented WrestleMania and has now been part of one of the best matches in America all in the same year. I know. It it's crazy. <laughs> just keeps on going, doesn't he? Also, may I just say while we're on the discussion of AEW, how mu- how now it's become consensus that we all love Hook and Hook must be protected at all costs. Everyone fears Hook. It's look, right. It's like I said to someone who someone messaged me on Twitter it was like why do you like Hook so much he hasn't done anything to which my answer is he's Hook <laughs> yes I think the better question is why doesn't your friend like Hook <laughs> I, was like, I was there I was just like look uh, I'll tell you why I like him he's, th- he's there <laughs> 
He's just standing there menacingly. <laughs> <laughs> it's that botchamania ending for the most recent one for The Simpsons. It's just, it's like, oh, that guy's gonna do something really cool. It's just that's it. It's that's it. That's still. it. Though. <laughs> and then also part of it, I was like, look, if you don't get it now, you're not gonna get it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, that match. Honestly, I think the internet's going to explode when that match between Punk and Hook happens. Oh, it's when Hook be gets in the ring, it is going to be one of the maddest pops of a generation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when Hook puts in the Kata Hajime, it will be even better. And then oh, like the uh, world I'm, might I'm... implode. In itself. <laughs> Sorry, I think you mean the Hook Hajime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, so speaking of that though, uh, Rampage. Uh, uh, Hobbs and Punk had a great match, even though there was a very sketchy moment involving a top rope uh, Frankensteiner, which, thank yeah. goodness, both of them managed to come out of that unscathed. Yeah, Hobbs kind of spiked himself on his head. Yeah. Which isn't Oof. good when you weigh, like, a lot. But, yeah. he, but they... I mean, it isn't good anyway, let alone... When yeah, that is so true. Hot. But both put on a tremendous match. You'll be happy to know that Punk was in his back in his trunks, Reardon. Mm -hmm. Ah, Ah, victory! Uh, (laughs) A a tremendous tag team uh, made event with Mox and Kingston going up up against Suzuki Goon, and oh my God, the pop for Homicide! You're in New York, (laughs) and it's crazy though because both him and Suzuki were at GCW. And put on a hell of a match. And then they made it there for that as well. It's it's incredible they managed that. Yeah. So I, it's amazing. It's amazing how uh, Minoru Suzuki is now, like, beloved by an American audience when a f- several years ago people wrote him off as, oh, he's just a Japanese guy, he'll never make it. In such a short time, Minoru Suzuki's become uh, a formidable force in American wrestling. <laughs> Those are people who didn't see the time they didn't like our reach in like 2016. Exactly. Um, but no, it, it is genuinely incredible. And so I was talking to some of the guys over at um, uh, Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Mm. Lovely guys, by the way. Yes. Um, and we were saying about how it's so much fun for people like myself and Sam and Rian and many others who have these kind of either these memories or have been introduced to this like you know earlier world of independent wrestling mm. Mm. and that all these kind of like in independent wrestling legends and like cult heroes have this space to be in AEW and like get their flowers yeah it is really yeah, nice. it's it's nice to see these guys getting an aura about them. The being that no, no, these guys are these guys are big deals, and we're going to tell you why they're big deals. Because it's it's stuff like seeing the thing from Ricky Shane Page, where he was working. I believe he worked one of the, one of the dark matches. Yes, Grand Slam, and like he got to do that in front of like twenty thousand people. It's so cool. Like, I mean, Ricochet Page. Genuinely, like. It's CCW's TOD. Seeing that that, that same guy come out to 20,000 people at Arthur Ash was nuts. I just couldn't be any more happier for Ricky Shane Page. 
for that. So cool you know, to see. It's just so, so well done. And like I will say from that main event, I know that obviously like a lot of the relationships are up in the air, but man, right? If if New Japan like actually get on top of things, <clears throat> they could run a crossover program with ROH and do Violence Unlimited versus Suzuki Gun, and it would be oh, bang. Nah, that'd be great. That'd be oh my so god, good. no! Because you get ZSJ versus Tony Deppen. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Oh, no, I'm thinking about that match now. Oh. <laughs> you've done, no, you've spoiled yourself so good, now. Though. You've oh, spoiled my God. it for yeah, yourself. I have. Man. <laughs> I have. Uh, to see, thing is with that now, I'm starting to get in my mind. It's like, there you go. It'll be if if that's the case, then there's no there's no other choice but then to make a pure championship match between Gresham and Danielson. You've got no other choice. No, but I feel like everyone's like, you know what, that just needs to happen. That needs to happen like yesterday. <laughs> oh, I also want to use Grand Slam to reinforce my belief in that. Yo, Mist is the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like, Shout out to shout. I mean, like, shout do shout out to Cody for actually like kind of realizing that the 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 fans weren't with him. Oh no, he was. I don't care what he thinks if he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy. Great being just being fully aware of the audience not being behind him. But he he is he he is Homelander. I am sorry. He is he no, is no, fully he is become Homelander, Homelander now. <laughs> you gotta do it sometimes. Sometimes you just like need a Homelander. Sometimes you just need a Homelander. <laughs> you really do. And Cody is that to a T. And like the whole thing of like they were doing the whole. <laughs> I understand why they did it, <clears throat> which is they had the whole spot where, you know, Malachi did you did the did the flip and the sit down and was like doing all the hand gestures and everything, which still looks cool as hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they had the whole thing where Brandy got in the ring and sat in front of him and did the like middle fingers. And they're like, "Oh, Brandy did that," but I think the I think the even fun, the better thing was then Malachi just staring at her and then just laughing in her face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that. <laughs> I was just like, they were selling like her doing that as like this Reba thing, and I guess it is. But I was just like, just gets he just sits there and just starts laughing in her face, and <laughs> like surely she should be annoyed or something. Oh, he's not going to be just on leaves a sh- the ring. He's not going to be on a shot of brandy anytime soon, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would be a good idea. <laughs> Probably a poor idea. <laughs> oh man! But honest, in all like in all fairness, though, man, on the up and up, and I'm really, I'm, it's just, it's, it's exciting. And yeah, yeah, love to see it. It is exciting times. Yeah, love, love, love to see it. Uh, and especially when you, upon hearing that Danielson's probably going to be ending his career in AEW, he wants to get mm. those few things that he's been dying to do for a very long time out of the way once it's safe to do so. I can't wait to. I mean, if this is the if this is the farewell tour for Danielson, I can't wait to see what 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 yeah. goes ahead for the next few years for him. 
No, mm. I know that it's going to be fascinating to see. It's going to be about what the abs- you know, the absolute limit he can go to is. Yeah. Oh, so excited. <laughs> uh, but yeah, is there anything else, Dan? Uh, in news. No, I don't think there's anything. I think the one thing I do have, I would rather put in recommendation corner. Cool, great segue, by the way, Dan. We're as good as Ollie from Wrestle Talk. Let's talk. Let's go over to recommendation corner. We will start off with Reardon, and then go down to you, Dan. And I have one. I have mm-hmm. a. I have a tiny one as well. But uh, yeah, Reardon, take it away, sir. Yes. So. We like a lot of things on the Sweet Chinwag podcast, but one of the things that I hope should be become should be clear by now is that we are a bunch of literary, absolutely pretentious motherfuckers. <laughs> so, <laughs> and one of the things we are pretentious about is theatre. My favourite Shakespeare play is Macbeth. It always has been ever since I was like. Ever since I was like seven years old, which is a bizarre thing to when I think about it. That what is your favorite Shakespeare play? The one with the murder and regicide. <laughs> like one of the darkest ones was and is my favorite one. Yeah. Which is why I am hype as hell that the trailer for a new movie adaptation, The Tragedy of Macbeth, is coming out. <laughs> Next year, I think. I might be wrong, but it's coming out. There's a trailer just dropped with Denzel Washington himself playing old Daddy McBee. <laughs> it's going to be um, incredible. I can tell. Go watch that trailer. I am excited as hell. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> I I genuinely can't wait for that. And I and I, made, I made a very funny uh, a very funny comparison this, that I had uh, read and... Uh, have a moment and then laugh his head off when he realises that's actually quite true. I won't spoil it for everyone. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely correct. Um, yeah, so that's what I recommend. Check out that trailer. Get hype with me. Indeed, Dan. What do you have to recommend, sir? Uh, my recommendation corner for this week is the Dark Side of the Ring episode about Canyon, Chris Canyon, Chris Clisatus. Yes. Whichever one you wish to use. Um, it is a very hard watch for any of our listeners in the uh, LGBT plus community, as I've said mm-hmm. out during tweets. Um, and of course, we will still keep ourselves open for you know people who need to a space to talk about it or want to ask questions in general, genuine earnest uh, feeling. Um, but I would advise people to watch it take it in and think critically about everything that is presented within it mm-hmm. uh, and then also say that uh, yes while things have improved and it, the industry both within wrestling but also entertainment sports and anything else that you can think of um, has improved these area these areas and industries as a whole uh still are quite hostile to LGBT plus people. Yeah. And that there is still a lot of work to be done. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. My gosh, that was that was a heavy one. That was a very heavy one to watch, but it does come recommended for sure. Um 
The little one for me, even though it's not out yet, I I just I kind of just don't I can't contain my excitement for it. But I have to t- narrow it, bring it down because that will that will ultimately lead to disappointment. But there's a part of me that's genuinely excited for the Cowboy Bebop series coming up. There, I said mm. it. <laughs> I I said it. I know it's going to be a wholly different beast from the original one, and it's not going to live up to everyone's expectations. Of course, it's not going to live up to my expectations. Bebop, as I've said to a lot of people, is one of my favourite shows ever. So I I'm I'm interested to see where they how they take a stab at it. And as I said to people, visually, I think from what we've seen so far, I think they've got it right visually. I think they've hit the nail on the head. It'll just be interesting to see how they'll do and how they've written it and how they've structured the show to be. That comes out on November 19th, I believe. All the episodes come out on Netflix. So not long now. I'm excited to see how a 27-year-old character is going to be played by a (laughs) 49-year-old John Cho, but we'll see how he gets on. (laughs) But with that... It is time to move on to the main portion of our episode, and oh boy, it's it's the hum it's the humdinger, it's the one we've been looking forward to the most, the Rey Mysterio retrospective. Oh, lads, lads. Now, I think I mean, it comes as no surprise. Uh, we're all fans of Rey Mysterio, correct? We are. We are. We we like him a little bit here. <laughs> Um, correction to that question uh, who doesn't like Rey Mysterio <laughs> Chicago in 2006 but we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> oh man so this one is a was a doozy to research and to go through and we're going to go through quite a large part of his career so strap yourselves in guys are you ready because we're going oh yeah. I am ready we are going already okay so Born in December 1974 in California, Oscar Gutierrez grew up around Lucha Libre thanks to the influence of his family and his uncle being the famed Rey Mysterio. It was this factor, and going to many a Lucha show, that gave Oscar his calling in life, but in the age of 14, he began training under the tutelage of his uncle. Now, talk, let's talk a little bit about his uncle, Rey Mysterio Sr., now, Ray, Ray Sr. began his career, funnily enough, as a boxer. As we've kind of yeah. realised, quite a lot of Lucha Libre and Luchadors started out being boxers before going in. Yeah. Or had aspirations of boxing before going into into wrestling. But after gaining quite a, a significant amount of muscle mass in the mid-70s, Lucha Libre became quite a, a more viable option for him, and soon enough would make his debut in January 1976. But what Mysterio Sr. is most noted for is his training school, which he opened alongside Negro Casas and Super Astro. Now, the reason I say this is because, well, if you look at the, uh, the some of the students that came in and out of the, of that training school. They are considered some of the best luchadors and wrestlers in pro wrestling. Uh, we've got Conan, Psychosis, oh, wow. <laughs> Hayabusa, uh, Cassandro, Damien666, Tigre Uno, and of course, Rey Mysterio Jr. 
I mean, yes, that is a who's who of people. <laughs> yes. That is... God. Yeah, that is not bad alumni you could have, isn't it, in your training school? Um, so, yeah, Race uh, Senior saw how quick his nephew picked up the Lucha style and thus took him out onto the Mexican circuit in 1989, wrestling under a couple of different monikers. So uh, some of the monikers that Ray Jr. wrestled under were La La Garjita Verde, or the Green Lizard, and Calibri, or the Hummingbird. But after seeing the natural talent he was and how popular he was getting with the fans, Ray Sr. bestowed upon him the lineage and the name of the Mysterios and in 1991 became... Ray Mysterio Jr. Now I could literally say the rest is history, but there's a lot more to go <laughs> to get. Like we, with Ray. we could do that, yeah. and we could just end the episode here and then just do that. But let's get into it. <laughs> let, let's let, let's get into it a little bit of uh, of of well when Ray started really coming on the up and up in Mexico. So 1992 would see Ray hit the big time in Mexico when he started working for AAA, immediately showcasing his style to a national audience. He would spend three years there honing his skills and nailing down his fast and frenetic Lucha Libre style. He would end up capturing the IWC Middleweight Championship from Mysterioso, not related to the Mysterios, <laughs> and then the WWA World Lightweight Championship from his heated rival there, Juventud Guerrera. But it was his rivalry with Psychosis that would see Ray oh, yeah. gain the attention oh. Of American fans and a certain promoter from Philly. But before that, though, we have to go to his first excursion in Japan, where he and Psychosis put on a barnstormer of a special attraction match in WAR's Super J Cup second stage tournament. Now, it's hard to find this match nowadays. But I highly recommend, especially to the pair of you and to anyone listening, to go watch it because they tore in in a in a in a pay per view that had a like a one night tournament with so many of the who's who of Japan and and America and Mexico at that time. Rey Mysterio and Psychosis stole the show and tore the house down. It is such a good match as well. Uh, Highly I just love highly how WAR is just like out there in like the, the wrestling ether. It really, yeah. And they I'm put, just like, it just has loads of bangers in it. <laughs> no, seriously. If anyone like, if you really want to like check out WAR, I do because like it's it was Ten Ryu's promotion, and God did he put, like get some really good people from his promotion that put on like absolute like four to five star classic matches. <laughs> Uh, I believe, actually, it was Jericho. Uh, yeah. It was Jericho in his first book that noted this match and said, this is the first time I ever saw Rey Mysterio in action, and I was just aghast at how bloody good he was. <laughs> Chris Jericho's just there, and he's like, he's doing everything I do, and he's doing it better than me. <laughs> this, uh, is in, this is... This is upsetting <laughs> also i believe it was that same tournament where he took a bunch of um uh supplements and got so wasted during the uh the trophy ceremony that in the backstage he ended up in a pool of his own sweat and then vomited to which liger and tenryu pointed and laughed at him and looked, look at the <laughs> foreigner being sick <laughs> oh 
gods in heaven. <laughs> Could you imagine you just come to off the beer like completely spaced out and you just see Jushin Thunder Liger laughing at you while you're just on the floor like covered in your own sweat you're just like what is going on <laughs> no because you think you were saying when you're like you know, you said about like, Jericho like this is concerning it's just that thing of like you know have you ever had that I mean you guys might not have but I you know like when I've been playing like football and stuff you ever just see someone and you just like they're just so much better than me. I just want to cry. Yes. <laughs> so she's just like, oh, okay. That's mostly me and every single wrestling video editor, Dan. <laughs> yes. You just that see is. someone though and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I go see it. Every time I see Jay Rose's stuff with Tiger Driver, I turn the cold shower tap on and run in and crawl <laughs> into a corner and cry because he's too... And I'll never be on his level, damn it! So no, I exact I know exactly how Jericho you feel, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um so before we head on to his excursions and, and before we get to a certain promotion in Philly, have you ever seen some of Ray's work when he was Ray Jr. in, in Mexico, um uh, and some of the work that he did with WAR? I unfortunately have not. Oh, dude. Um, I have seen I have I haven't seen any of the WAR stuff, but I have seen like little bits of AAA stuff. Mm. If there will always be a video that will probably crop up here and there on on YouTube or other kind of sites like Vimeo. Honestly, when you see it, go find it and go watch it. Yeah. Especially the rivalry with Psychosis in AAA as well and WAR. Cannot recommend that rivalry enough that those two had at this time. Uh, and you get to see that, God damn it, Ray was, Ray was just on another level to other luchadors in the 90s. So let us get to ECW. For his matches in AAA and in Japan... Paul Heyman saw, took notice and signed Mysterio to ECW in 1995 and continued his rivalry with Psychosis, quickly whamming the hardcore ECW fans with his style and acrobatics. Now, some of his most notable matches with Psychosis at this time were a two out of three falls match and a uh, Mexican death match. Uh, if anyone's seen uh, like some of the matches, like the intro package I always saw of ECW was that very famous image of Rey Mysterio pulling off a Hurricane Rana, vaulting off the roof of a car and then hitting the concrete floor, <laughs> the yeah. concrete ground and psychosis. These two had, again, they just took what they had already built upon in Mexico and in Japan and then just changed it for an ECW crowd. Like these guys would fight through the crowds. They'd fight on that plinth section of the ECW yeah, arena and drop themselves onto tables. <laughs> I feel like everyone who ever was ever a part of ECW at one point had to jump off of that plinth. Yeah. <laughs> at least once in their careers at ECW. Yeah. It seemed like a rite of passage at that point. <laughs> but it was those two matches in particular that caught the eye of one Eric Bischoff. And this brings us to his time in WCW, which we have touched upon a little bit in the past, but let's dig a little bit deeper into Ray's time there specifically. 
So, June 1996, he signed a big money contract to WCW and was immediately put into the fold of its fledgling cruiserweight division. Right, this is how quick they like they put him into it, right? Yeah. He debuts at the Great American Bash in June to challenge Dean Malenko for the cruiserweight title. That's his debut match in WCW. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, to be fair though as well, if you're going to put anyone if even if you're like okay so we've got this guy who needs to debut but we need to like get an idea of like how good he is putting him with dean malenko is like not a is like the best place to start (laughs) yeah Mm. absolutely um so whilst he didn't win the title on that match he did begin stealing the show with his lucha libre offense that was now a on a global stage seen by millions and was quickly becoming the most talked about competitor in the division like he was the the tent pole of the cruiserweight division like as soon as he entered because not only because of his look his masks uh the cut like the vibrant colors that he would have in his gear and of course of his moves but he was just having great match after great match with man a division that i feel that's yet to be replicated like when you think of like who they had in their division especially when they started bringing more luchadors in. So you had Ray, Psychosis, Juventud, Guerrera. You had Liger, Pillman, Jericho, Malenko, Alex Wright, Billy Kidman. I'm just listing great name after great name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dragon. I've, I've always said, like, the WCW, WCW Cruiserweight division is both, A, just goated anyway. Yeah. Yes. But B, like, they're... I don't know that there's actually been anything like it since. I don't think, yeah. I, it, it's it's not anything like it since because at a certain point in WCW, it was the only thing worth watching. Yes. Yeah, oh no, it absolutely was. So it didn't take long for Mysterio's popularity to be seen by the heads of WCW as Mysterio won the Cruiserweight Championship on the July 6th episode of Monday Nitro and held the belt for three months. He ended up having defences against guys like Ultimo Dragon, Malenko, and Super Kalo before losing the title to Malenko once more at Halloween Havoc 1996. He didn't slow after this, though. He had a small programme for the television title at the start of 97, before feuding with the NWO, which culminated in a Mexican death match with NWO member Conan. Which was not a bad match, actually. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was it, it was certainly something that rivalry, which saw many a time Rey Mysterio being thrown like a lawn dart by Kevin Nash into a caravan. That seems yeah, I've seen that clip and it's still like a oh god. I don't know what Kevin Nash had it against Rey. Oh no, wait, could it have been because he was a vanilla midget? Oh boy. <laughs> We love you, Kevin, but don't you like the like book like you at this time? Yeah, sometimes you were holding quite a lot of people down, Kev. I'm not gonna lie. Even he will probably admit that. <laughs> yeah, also, can I say vanilla? Really? Really? I mean Eddie really? Guerrero yeah, but, yeah, Eddie Guerrero was once quoted as being called a vanilla midget. Yeah, like <laughs> Makes no sense. I think it was just anyone who was shorter than Kevin Nash. <laughs> Which is everyone. He's like seven. I was just going to say, it's basically everyone. Dude, seven foot. What the? Anyway. Kevin, come on, dude. After this, though, was his noted rivalry with then Cruiserweight champion and backstage friend Eddie Guerrero. 
their rivalry during this time saw great match after great match. And it all led to arguably WCW's most famous match from Halloween Havoc 1997. This match goes so damn hard. It's, it's genuinely unbelievable. It's incredible. I love that. I mean, incredible. I could go on for another 20 minutes like we did with the Cruiserweight division to talk about this match because I, I went back and saw it yesterday as well. And I'm like, man, this match still fucks. It's so good. No, that's so the thing. Good. This, this match is genuinely just like, they were really just like, let's just put on just the like the lucha match <laughs> yeah so yeah. i know i went off a little bit on the history of it but to give everyone a refresher the original plan for this was to be a mask versus hem or mask versus title match uh and the original booking was for ray to lose this one and for him to lose his mask which he wasn't very happy with and eric bischoff was at this moment he was starting to uh, employ this no mask mandate for some bizarre fucking reason which we'll get into in a second but Ray was very very not wanting to do it and at, at one point was not even going to show up to the event because they were so sticking their feet into the ground of him having his mask removed it took Eddie to finally stand up and go you know what no screw it I think Ray, Ray deserves to have this chance Let's have him have the win and have the championship. So, you know, Eddie Guerrero, stand up human being as ever Thank sticking you, out Eddie. for people. Uh, for Eddie, that you, one. You, and with that one, and with that one move, the butterfly effect is the WWE making millions of dollars. Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I tell you, man, Eric Bischoff has a great history of not seeing where the money is, doesn't he? Yeah, like... <laughs> Oh my god! Like he fires Steve Austin via FedEx. He gets Ray. We'll get into it out of him removing Ray's mask. He's not good, is he? He runs NWO into the ground. He's really not good with money. It's incredible. It's actually incredible to see the hit list of things he has done. Oh yeah. Like I know, I know. Hindsight is a motherfucker. Yes, but. No one gets fucked harder in hindsight than Eric Bischoff. It, 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 it's just always one of these things that I find with with American wrestling, which is just this thing of like, if there's a mask wrestler, it always eventually comes down to make them remove the mask now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, what is wrong with them? Why do they not like it's it? Just like, remove the mask. It, it'll be great. It'll be the best segment ever. And I'm like, you don't need to do this. <laughs> Oh, so <laughs> so strange, so strange. So yeah, let's let's get into this now. After this match, though, Ray would be in and out of the cruiserweight title picture, winning the title and challenging for it with foes such as Chris Jericho and Billy Kidman, who he would form kind of like a, a like a bond of respect and a tag team with at this time. But uh, pretty soon, with these. Uh, with this going on and Ray constantly challenging and uh, winning the title, the Latino World Order would also form at this time and eventually would see Ray, Conan, and Eddie aligned with every luchador in the promotion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> honestly, it was every single luchador in WCW that banded together to form the L LWO, and I love it. I love it for that reason. <laughs> I mean, it's a simple premise, but it's effective. <laughs> <laughs> But for all this, though, his popularity 
never wavered. And if anything, he was getting more over with each match. <laughs> but despite this, the heads of WCW and Bischoff thought that he wasn't getting over and that he needed something to change his character up. The best way to do this, apparently? Unmask him. Okay. <laughs> Reality-based wrestling, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obvious that Ray was hesitant with this, as you know everyone knows, and as we've gone on about this, in lucha culture, the mask is an integral part to the mythos of the competitors, and when unmasked, does denote quite a seismic change for them. Yeah. Uh, but WCW remained steadfast about wanting to do it, so unfortunately Ray had no choice about it. Uh, when the two splintered factions of the NWO reformed in 1999, they demanded that the LWO disband. This caused Ray to remain loyal to the to, to the LWO and continue wearing the LWO colours. After the usual stick of many beatings by the NWO at this time, he and Conan would challenge Hall and Nash to a hair versus mask match at Super Bowl Nine. After coming up short. The famous image after that match was Ray untying his mask and unmasking to the world, which you could definitely see. I don't ca I don't know if that was really good acting from Ray. I think it was genuine shoot. He looks genuinely pissed off to do it, and I and I can't blame him to be quite honest. Yes, I don't blame him for it because he was, he was basically just like, oh yeah, by the like, it is actually that thing of someone having you on puppet strings. Yeah, because you're like, if you don't do this then, like, there will be repercussion. Mm. Wrestling, everyone! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this, again, this is not this not only upset a lot of Lucha fans, but Ray himself. Uh, with the disrespect shown to him leading up to the arm masking, it left Ray feeling really frustrated and deflated. And to make matters worse, he was told in no uncertain terms that he had hit the ceiling and where he could go in the company, and they were never looking at him to becoming a main eventer in WCW. Again, hindsight, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? Like hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty, but like I, it, it's just one of those things. I always look at with what they have with the WCW cruiserweights, and they looked at them and went, "Nah, they 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 won't, they can't main event." Dude, I'm just like. How can you be so blinded <laughs> yes. to what clearly is like a moneymaker for you? <laughs> yeah. Like they had one of the greatest things go like there were points when people were like, nah, we don't care about WCW anymore. We watch the cruiserweights though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they and then in WCW they were like, nah, no one cares about them. Well, Everyone wants to see whatever else we have going on in the main event. We want to see and Vincent and Stevie Ray fight to see who can who can gain control of the NWOB team. And I'm like, <laughs> it is genuinely like it's almost impressive. It re it really is. It really is. Down, but although so oh. as 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 we've said before, though, like um, one of the few things that did come out of this was a whole bunch of banger themes so <laughs> yeah and i'm glad you brought that up because ray would capture the cruiserweight title for a fourth and fifth time and then would go on to form a stable with conan eddie guerrero and billy kidman called the filthy animals what a name 
It's so good. It's not, but it's it's kind of it's very funny, especially because like for Ray's like majority of his career, he has been known as the like the wrestler for children. Yeah, like yes. very specifically. So for Ray Mysterio to be in something called the Dirty Animals is incredible. <laughs> great is it i mean this was also a hill run for ray as well and i think one of yes. the very rare hill runs that ray had very time. very it might, few it might it might be the like how many have there been it's like the it's, only one yeah i think it's like it might be the only one because mm. if if not it like you could count them on like one hand with absolutely. fingers still remaining <laughs> absolutely uh members would come and go from the filthy animals including disco inferno for some bizarre fucking reason uh, but ultimately, the world has moved beyond the need for Glenn Gilberti. Exactly. But ultimately, Ray and Kidman were left, and by the end of WCW, and they would go on to become the first and only cruiserweight tag team champions on the last Nitro in two thousand and one. Uh, the less said about those belts, the better. We talked about them with our we best and worst in title our, Best and worst title belts, whenever that was. All I want to know is why in the what in the world compelled Ray to keep that title and <laughs> proudly present it and display it in his office. The flex. <laughs> and so, of course, uh, Ray um, decided. You know, he could, he had one of two options at this time. Was it to you know have his Time Warner contract bought out or to sit at home uh, and kind of wade his time out while sitting and still getting paid by Warner? And quite like a lot of people, he decided to just kick back and actually take some time off for once. Um, again, as Nash said at the time and he said during many interviews can't blame the guy for wanting to sit at home and make money <laughs> during the t- during that time dude he went to the kevin nash school of business <laughs> <laughs> absolutely did. so as i said his contract wouldn't get picked up by the wwf uh but he instead would hit cmml and and the indies during this time most famous of these indie dates was a triple threat match between Eddie Guerrero and CM Punk in 2002. Which... Again, the fact that that match exists yeah. is always mind-boggling. That is mind-boggling to me. It's like CM like... Punk right at the beginning of his career as well, and becoming yeah, like, like the king of the indies at this point. Like, I, you know, I love CM Punk. But in my mind's eye, it's like CM Punk has no business being in the ring with Rey Mysterio. <laughs> honestly, not because not because he's bad, far from it. It's just like does not compute. Straight up does not compute. Especially like, as I said, this is the beginning of his career. So it's like I mean, even he admit, admits uh, during his documentary uh, when he was talking about, you know, I thought I was good, but then I got in the ring with Eddie Guerrero and I thought, holy crap, am I bad? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, even yes. Punk would admit that's like, no, I had no business being in the ring with Rey Mysterio and Eddie at this time. <laughs> yeah, you always love moments like that when you watch something and you're like, oh... Oh wow! No, I'm actually crapped. I do. <laughs> oh, that again. I will mention J Rose from uh, from Tiger Driver again. But mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, just don't mind me, guys. I'm just gonna go back into the shower room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, so yeah. Brb, it... crying right now. 
It wouldn't be until June 2002 that Rey Mysterio put pen to paper with the newly minted WWE. Ah. Now, did you guys remember uh, the promos that began playing with this? That it was kind of like dark and moody and had the masks flashing up with little bits of images of Ray in WCW. Yes, kind of vaguely. Vaguely. Because they ended up, I believe they ended up using it for his entrance video. Um, yes. But the, the, before he even debuted, um, WWE were very adamant of him bringing the mask back. Uh, they decided to drop the junior from his name, respell it from I to respell the I to Y, and Ray. Um, funny enough, Ray had to go and um, attend a meeting with the Lucha Commission in Mexico to ask and request that he um, put his ma- uh, have his mask back because in Lucha tradition, if you lose your mask, you lose your mask, and you ain't ever getting yeah. it back. Yes. I'm sorry, but the Lucha Commission warms my heart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For one thing, the Lucha Commission warms my heart. For another, I love I love the loot hole for this. <laughs> I because it's like because the the official loophole is that Rey Mysterio Jr. has been unmasked. Ray Mysterio with the Y with the Y spelling has never been unmasked and never will. Yeah. It's one of the greatest loophole technicalities I have ever heard in my life. Again, it's the Kevin Nash school of business. <laughs> it it like that is the kind of stuff that I thrive on. <laughs> yeah. That is the ruling on it. It's incredible. And of course, he would make his debut on the July 25th, 2002 episode of SmackDown in a winning effort against Chavo Guerrero with one of the most iconic entrances I have ever seen in WWF slash E. The jumping out of the trap door with the pyro and the music, man. And the Who's music. Who's out of the sky? R-E-Y. Why? Mysterio. Here, Here we, we go. go. Oh, man. Should we talk about it now? Because I feel like if we if we prolong Let's, it for, for forever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's okay. Go. Opening up the question to the floor, which is the superior Ray Mysterio theme. Who's that jumping out the sky or Booyaka Booyaka? It's who's that jumping out the sky. It really is. I can't. I can't. Listen, I understand. I have. It has taken me literal years to warm up to Booyaka Booyaka. (laughs) Literal years. I. I do not dislike Booyaka Booyaka. I really don't. Mm. But who's that jumping up the sky just slaps? It absolutely, it absolutely it does. Just slaps. Like if you don't want to do the jumping out, fine. <laughs> no one cares. Just it's just superior. It, it, no, it absolutely, it absolutely. Like, and I is. know, and I know, and I know. It's like again because like especially he is. Um, I don't, I can't remember who actually sings it, but um. Mysterio is friends with the people who like who does his theme. I believe... Oh, it, it, uh, it's POD. It's POD. POD yes, oh, POD yeah, yeah. were the original ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, like, and they're great. Don't get me wrong. 
But they got it right the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So That's the, it. So uh, according to Xylot Themes, which is a great database for wrestler theme songs, uh, 619, or Who's That Jumping Out the Sky, written by Jim Johnston, because of course... Yes. Because of course... Uh, featuring Chris Classic was the person who sung and rapped the lyrics for that one. Uh, okay. Again, yeah. the original version of Booyaka 619, I do prefer over the original over the POD version because it was sung by Ray and Mad One, who, of course, sung... Who Mad One was the collaborator to the Filthy Animals' best theme song, Psycho, which was sung by Conan. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, we have the POD version, which was sung uh, featuring Mad One as well. Uh, but no, honestly, I prefer the original Booyaka 619. I don't know, because I feel that one just... It yeah. just hits different than the POD version, if you ask it me. It does, it does. But it's always 619. Like, who's that jumping out of the sky? I'm sorry, it just is. Yeah, it, um, yeah. It, it genuinely just is. And also, the thing with Rey Mysterio is, alright, I like kind of like what you said, he's always kind of weirdly, at least in WWE terms, he's been like a wrestler for the kids. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like that has that kind of bouncy energy that Rey Mysterio always has. Mm. Well, yeah. he, he always had, and then, you know, the bad old days of playing releases <laughs> happened. And then it came back again. Yeah, that is true. Dude, those stem cells are no joke. <laughs> we'll get, we'll again, talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. So, at this time as well, his first noted rivalry was with Kurt Angle, which culminated in a match in SummerSlam 2002. Which, uh, yeah. oh, man, that rivalry was great. And what a better way to have to start off in your career than going up against, you know, pretty much peak Kurt Angle. Yeah, I, I can I, uh, I'm trying to think. I recall, like, was it a dark match between those two, which Rey Mysterio said was, was the best match he ever did? I forget who it was. I think it might have been Kurt Angle, yeah. Yeah, because like, because Raymond Steele talked about like, like when asked what his favorite match was, he has always regretted that like, I there was one match that we did as a house show with someone. It might have been Kurt Angle, and it was the best performance I ever did. But because it was a house show, it was never recorded. Oh damn, damn, yeah. Um... I mean, it, it's worth saying though that that SummerSlam match is absolutely incredible oh it's incredible they worked so well together you wouldn't have fit two conflicting styles of a guy that has such a great you know amazing collegiate wrestling background going up against a luchador those two would probably not clash as well but no god they worked so well together that the uh the planter to the outside over the ref <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> After this rivalry, though, he would form a tag team with Edge, and those, and that, of course, we talked about the the very famous SmackDown Six Tag Team Championship tournament. Uh, of course, that that culminated with uh, with them losing the titles to, or losing it to, I think they're losing that tournament to Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, but then would end up winning the titles. Um, I can't remember if it was Survivor Series. I believe it might have been Survivor Series. 
uh, I can't remember now. But I do remember that they did win the tag titles at one point. <laughs> Man, I need no, to do didn't. my I need to do my research a bit better. If keep forgetting things on the fly. No, uh, <laughs> but I want to bring up again as we get through it. We get into two thousand and three, and we get to his rivalry with Matt Hardy for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, which. I remember vividly the match at WrestleMania 19 when he came out uh, with the Daredevil-inspired ring gear. Which, hell yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, let, let's, let's also, I mean, again, we said it before, when it comes to gear, most of the time, Rey Mysterio hits. Yes. And especially yes. at big events, Rey Mysterio yes. hits. Yeah. I'm always impressed as to, like, how he's able to wrestle with... Because some of those things are relatively elaborate yeah i yeah. the 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 one in particular always got me was the wolverine one from all in is like, how is yeah. he able to move around in that yeah that one is quite incredible the one i always found super impressive was it was the, it was one of the wrestlemanias and he had the giant aztec headdress on and i was like how yeah. do you do your entrance in that <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah oh man matt hart this was like matt hardy version one uh, and this was the one where, of course, he was vying for the Cruiserweight Championship, but he had to cut weight. And so he would wear sweatsuits during his matches to make sure he was cutting weight. And then eventually would end up capturing the title. And of course, again, this was Matt Hardy version one with the entrances with the the, fa- the matitude facts of the facts yeah. of Hardy on the side. Yeah. As well. <laughs> Uh, I remember the WrestleMania 19 one where being like, Matt oh, Matt Hardy sometimes wonder ha- wonders how they did WrestleMania without him. <laughs> <laughs> Again, oh, peak Matt Hardy version one. But it would be actually, he would lose at WrestleMania 19, but it wouldn't be until May uh, of 2003 on a SmackDown that uh, Mysterio would win his first Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, his first WWE Cruiserweight Championship. And it would be actually, funnily enough, his first reign with a championship in the company as well. Uh, that reign would end in September when he lost the title to a newly healed Tajiri, who was basically at this point, if you don't remember, Tajiri was a Yakuza boss. Yes, at this point. I do unfortunately remember that storyline. <laughs> Uh, we had Jimmy Wang Yang as a Keo of what is one of his uh, one of his lackeys, so one of his security guards. Uh, this would lead up to a rivalry as well with Chavo Guerrero, which in two thousand and four ended up with the cruiserweight uh, scramble or the cruiserweight open tournament that they had, where Mysterio came out in his uh, now iconic Flash gear. Oh, that's good gear. Uh, Good gear. Really underrated match, I always felt the Cruiserweight Open was. But the problem was he had to stick so many guys in this match. And they had they had zero time to kind of really form a yeah. match together. I think the most infamous moment from this was, of course, the the, the botch of Ultimo Dragon coming out and falling over as soon as he entered the... <laughs> when, as soon as he got onto the entrance ramp. Which part, yeah. apparent, apparently, called to Bruce Pritchard, was the reason they fired him. Because no one would take him seriously I mean, after they after they saw him fall over. I mean, a those people are wrong because it's Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> yes. Oh, but it's not the same Ultimo Dragon as the one in the nineties. But, dude, <laughs> it's Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> He's the guy He's who right invented there. the Asai Moon Salt. <laughs> the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, of course. 
during this time with Charvo, Charvo had his dad, Charvo Senior, or Charvo Classic, yeah, at this time Charvo being Classic. his manager, which would end up with Charvo Senior winning the Cruiserweight Championship from his son. It's it's a beautiful thing. Which ended up with quite a semi-decent match that Charvo Classic and Ray had for uh, <laughs> on, a, on a June episode of SmackDown, which saw Ray win the title. It, it's genuinely disconcerting how actually serviceable that match was. <laughs> hey, I can't believe at his age how Charvo Sr. was still able to pull off picture-perfect moonsaults. It, 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 it's genuinely ridiculous. Like, man, I, t- I tell you, the luchadors are built fucking different. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> uh, which brings us, bringing us into the end of 2004 and 2005, teaming and feuding with Eddie Guerrero. Oh, man. <laughs> so, this all started when, uh, when they both formed a partnership and ended up winning the tag team championships. This would end up going into a barnstormer of an opening match at Wrestlemania 21 again not as good as their match from Halloween Havoc but in terms of the matches that they did have during that event which also saw Big Show facing Aki Bono in a sumo match oh it, it was the match of the night for sure <laughs> I that was a thing that happened oh yes, god that, that was a thing that happened <laughs> Uh, he would also end up having a little match uh, um, a couple months later at ECW One Night Stand, uh, going up against his longtime and noted rival Psychosis. But it was mm-hmm. during during the WrestleMania match where Guerrero Mysterio started having a bit of splintering, a little bit of uh, animosity. Guerrero was not pleased that he had lost to Mysterio in this match, and then soon after, after a. Uh, after a tag team championship match, or during a tag team championship match against Eminem, uh, Guerrero beat up Mysterio and left him to ha- and left him high and dry for Eminem to pick up the tag team championships. After that, Eddie came out after during a match against Chavo Guerrero and slammed Mysterio on the steel steps with a with an almighty suplex. If you've seen that spot of 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 Eddie doing oh, kind of like yeah. the suplex to Rey Mysterio, that is oh that's a horrible one. And oh it was, yeah. It was slowly revealed that that Eddie was indeed the father of De- of in his own words the puppy to Rey's son Dominic. Okay, before uh, let's talk about some good things before we go into that. Um, the 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 stair suplex is one of the most sickening things I have ever seen. There have been far far worse <laughs> acts of violence in wrestling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. far worse. But there's something about that one. That always is just like, oh no, oh it's just the like every every single stair stair spot before and after has to contend with that one. It is incredible yeah. in its brutality. Absolutely, Absolutely. It, it's yeah. one of those things where I mean, when you're aware of the nature of wrestling, it kind of feels like no one wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, also, I may say at this time that Eddie had, like, had one of, like, the best versions of his lie, cheat, and steal theme with the the cracking, uh, the cracking version mm-hmm. of his, or the gangster lean, as most people will call it as well. I just, yes, I love yes, that yes, version yes. of the theme. Yeah. Is, it, is that the one with the guitar, with the proper big guitar? Yes, um, and it had like the phone bleep bit at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's the best yeah. one. That's the best one. I um, know you don't pick up that phone. <laughs> just the best. Can you feel the heat? Just, oh, uh, I love yes. that shit. So much. It fit him. It fit him so well. So the story. Let's get into the story of Dominic being uh, Eddie being Dominic's puppy. Olale. Uh, <laughs> Ah, oh, Christ almighty. Now, the storyline went that Guerrero knew Ray was having trouble starting his own family. So Guerrero left Dominic as a baby with Ray and his wife Angie to raise. So within the subsequent weeks of this discovery, Eddie also had a, sh- had a shirt on a WWE shop in big, bold, white letters, I'm your puppy, which apparently was an amaz- a massive seller. Oh, I'm, for, I'm sure wrestling I'm, fans ate that up. <laughs> they, God damn it! You say what you will, but I guess the the the, the merch team know what they're doing when they when they oh, have the, a mer- the merch team to know what they were doing. I mean, the merch team has made some incredible, incredible pieces of apparel. <laughs> uh, Eddie would also threaten to take custody of Dominic, drawing up the custody papers and having his lawyer present. Uh, to sh- to give them to Mysterio, and thus the match at SummerSlam was set. Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match for the custody of Dominic. <laughs> I See, still remember okay, the splash now. screen for, for SummerSlam yeah. <laughs> with with Rey, Eddie, and a very upset looking Dominic, and it's like ladder match for custody of Dominic. <laughs> so, first off, that match up screen is. Modern art. <laughs> it really is. Honestly. And the second part of this is that technically this is now wrestling canon. Yes. yes. Which means that you can have in wrestling, it is known, understood, and accepted that you can solve a custody battle via ladder match. I can never understand why no court has ever, ever made a ruling. Right. Well, fuck you. I'm you're, just you're... saying. Like you I can mean, gain custody if you do it in a wrestling ring with a ten foot ladder. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I have always it's always been like headcanon for me that in a wrestler's contract they have it there's two like weird clauses. One that you can have a wrestling one is that you can schedule a wrestling match and and the um, the winner gets pretty much anything anything <laughs> as long as it is stipulated and also that there is a clause saying that by the way you may have to fight undead creatures or <laughs> creatures of a supernatural nature it's in the it is in the contract there we go yeah i choose to believe like in wrestling canon it, it's that if there is any situation that can be solved in any way that it must be done through the form of a wrestling match. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, look, custody of, of children. Uh, your own mother on a forklift match. Um, yes. Yep. <laughs> That's a Vince Russo right there. 
like having 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 many an object on a pole. Uh, Literally, your job on a piece of paper above the ring. <laughs> contracts for matches where the contract part actually fell in the ring but you're still fighting over the clipboard on the t- at the top i'm looking at you frankie kazari you no no but that's wrestling that's wrestling canon right there <laughs> now correct me if i'm wrong dan Hello. but this match at SummerSlam in 2005 was yes. this the ladder match that unfortunately had a bit of botched timing to it Yes. Where Vicky missed her cue to run down to the ring and Eddie had to kind of fall down into the ring to which he audibly screamed, Where the fuck is Vicky? Yes. It is one of the most... Inc- I I love that that moment so much. I love it so much. It, it, it's great. It's just a it's just a guy sitting on top of a ladder, and like you know that he obviously can't go and get it, but he needs to find a way to figure out how to fill the time until Vicky arrives. Yes. Oh, I'm man. just like I I've always been curious as to what the conversation was afterwards, like backstage. Oh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah, like just the where were you? It's like I'm sorry, I was doing no. Where were you? Well, Vince told me that because, I didn't say it for goddamn <laughs> Because, like, because all told, from everything we know about Eddie Guerrero and Vicky, like his um his troubles with like addiction aside, they had a good marriage. Yeah. So it's like, what? What was that? What was the conversation after that? <laughs> Can't imagine. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'd love to. I would love to know what had happened though. <laughs> Do you reckon just after the match, just like? You know, Eddie was annoyed at Vicky missing her cue, and then Ray and Dominic are just standing there. It's like, it's just like, at least I got my son back. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah, and then they both turn and look straight into the camera, and it freeze frames for the end of the sitcom. Everywhere you go, everywhere. I would have watched the shit out of a Rey Mysterio sitcom <laughs> with, with, with Eddie <laughs> Guerrero as the wacky neighbor. Oh, it's like um, La Familia Mysterio, and they all have to be all wearing masks. Could you imagine a luchador full house? <laughs> I know we're going off topic, okay. but I, right. but I have okay. to. I, no, no, no. I have to. I have to ask this. Tell me that somewhere there is the Lucha Telenova. Can you no, imagine? No, I was about to say. So, like, surely there's a telenovela with about Lucha wrestlers. <laughs> if there isn't, there's a gap in the market we can exploit. Yeah, yeah. If there, if there is, please, if you are listening and you know of this, for the love of God, tweet us. Please. I wonder if that's what El Generico is doing right now, is the star of a telenovela uh, sitcom. El Generico is in a Wonder Vision, definitely. <laughs> Are you tilting? What? <laughs> oh, hey. Okay, we're, go- we're off topic here. We're way off topic. So, yeah, the feud with Guerrero and Mysterio ended after a hellacious SmackDown cage match, which saw Eddie gain the victory over Mysterio. But it was unfortunate uh, and really kind of sad news that uh, only a couple of months later in November, Eddie Guerrero did pass away in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And of course, uh, the next day, 
uh, on the Raw and the subsequent Raw and SmackDown tapings was a massive tribute and celebration of Eddie Guerrero's life, which brings us to Rey Mysterio's World Heavyweight Championship run. Now, during this time, you could de- you could definitely see that Ray was adopting and kind of paying more and more tribute to Eddie, doing taunts, to have incorporating the frog splash into his move set, and of course, having the the arm the eg armbands on his arms. Yeah. Uh, this mm. all culminated, of course, to the Royal Rumble in two thousand and six, which saw uh, Ray uh, enter at number two and last the entire entire match to win the whole thing last eliminating randy orton uh i believe i don't know if he still holds the record but it was a record at the time that mysterio lasted 62 minutes in that match i think he well i think he technically still has it but i think daniel bryan surpassed it at the greatest royal rumble i believe which we do not talk about (laughs) (laughs) yeah which i was gonna say just technically doesn't actually count um, even like even WWE is like eh, it kind of doesn't count. So yeah, uh, I want to. I, I I hate to say this and bring it up. Of course, this during the the build up to WrestleMania, where Kurt Angle where at this time was world champion, uh, we had Randy Orton kind of goading and urging Ray to put the title shot up uh, at stake at No Way Out, and of course in the weeks preceding that. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was to do it, but uh, they made Orton make a lot of disparaging remarks about Eddie Guerrero. Of course, the most famous yeah. one being that he isn't in heaven. He's down there in hell. How? Why? Yeah. Like, it's not even... You're not even years removed from that. And then, even then, it's not good. But why are you saying shit like that, dude? Yeah, and I believe it was something... Like, he didn't want to say it. He did not want to say no. it. No. Record and saying, "Do not make me say this, please." Um, again, I think it was Brian Zane in his video about Eddie Guerrero brought up a very interesting point um, about you know with the perspective of WWE because you know they were putting out stuff here and there and people were still chanting for Eddie that gave him the impetus to go, "Oh, this is exactly what Eddie would have wanted," and we're gonna you know we're gonna latch on to Eddie's name and you know give you loads of stuff and, and products and stuff when. Actually, the fans were like, no, we're still grieving and mourning about the guy, and we're still trying to celebrate his life and his legacy. Not, we want to make an extra buck out of it and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Of course, this would lead to WrestleMania uh, for the triple threat match. uh, I still remember Theodore Log after the No Way Out match where Mysterio lost the title shot. He goes, player, I can sure as hell add to the match, so it will be... Randy Orton versus Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio <laughs> and The Undertaker. Holla, holla. No. <laughs> Teddy Long's great. I don't care what anyone says. I always love Teddy Long. God bless Teddy Long. God bless him. <laughs> so yeah, the, the triple threat match that was set for WrestleMania 22, which by that time during the event was already quite a hostile crowd. Um, I remember yeah. it very vividly. They were very, very hostile to who they liked and who they didn't like. The most famous for me uh, one was, of course, the the Mickey James versus Trish Stratus match for the Women's Championship, where they mm. wholeheartedly <laughs> booed the hell out of Trish and cheered for Mickey. <laughs> Of course, that also saw the infamous moment right at the end of the match where Mickey grabbed Trish by the crotch and licked her fingers, but I digress, and we're moving on to the main events. 
Yes, yes, yes. Let us. We're moving on to the to the world heavyweight championship. Wrestling. <laughs> so the reason I bring that up is because I feel a lot of people were quite indifferent to Ray. The Chicago crowd were quite a little bit indifferent yeah. to Ray, and they I feel like they were very much on the side of Kurt on this one. Um, but I honestly think this is a good match from all three of them. Um, no, it is a really it good match. Is. Honest to goodness, I thought it was the right the right call. I thought it was the right call to make Ray the the world heavyweight championship. Uh, well, a world heavyweight champion, I should say. Sorry, bloody mm-hmm. good match. Great little feel good moment at the end, seeing Charvo and Vicky at the uh, entrance ramp uh, to greet Ray uh, to win that. And of course, this starts the whole you know the biggest little man, the underdog champion, and boy did they book him piss poor during his title run oh, this is it was garbaggio uh, you know it's fun to see that kofi kingston was not the first <laughs> god the god the amount of people he lost against mark henry great carly freaking randy orton he had a good match against or like a rematch on a smackdown against kurt angle a few weeks later Fair play to him on that one. Of course, I don't... Oh, God, do we have... Oh, uh, yeah, I guess we talk about the, the bloody ECW one-night stand match against Sabu, which ended in a no contest. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> no, because it, it's a thing I've <clears throat> I've said about this, which is that people always like, oh, but these people are so much better on the chase when they become champion, it becomes boring. I, I know, obviously, like, in wrestling champions are dominant mm-hmm. but like you could still book someone as like you know the plucky smaller guy doing what he can to like scrap it out and defend his title kind yeah. of like when they were on the path to winning it mm-hmm. i don't think it's like an exclusive concept <laughs> no no it's just i feel like they could have done so much better during they this time so much better for him but and this is without mentioning the the thing that happens later on, which, uh, as I said, between me and my friends, I think borders on race crime. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, but Ray would eventually drop the title to everyone's favorite version of Booker T, King Booker. Outstanding work. No, no, no. Don't keep it in. Keep it in. Keep it in. We're on Ray Mysterio. Keep it in. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and this would end up him and then for, uh, going into a rivalry with Chavo Guerrero uh, after Vicky and Chavo turned uh, turned uh, their backs on Ray, and would it then lead to a a very infamous I Quit match on the SmackDown where uh, Mysterio was hung onto the kind of like the, the the girdings and the railings of the of the set of the SmackDown set and Chavo repeatedly smacking Ray in the knees for that and i remember I, I, I the one thing i always remember is just the the strained ray mysterio going i quit i quit i quit <laughs> i don't know why it made me laugh but it is something that's stuck in my mind but this was also to write ray off uh to get the first of many many knee surgeries um that pl- that kind of unfortunately plagued ray uh during his time during the well during the this and leading further into his time in wwe and it's such a shame it is such a shame that ray has been like when that kind of started this massive domino effect of ray having chronic knee problems ah yes 
Uh, again, no, I like I I know I shouldn't be anywhere close to laughing right now, but just because you are saying it, I'm getting the thing. Like, I've had surgery five, five times, times in my, my left knee. knee. <laughs> I was trying to bite I my tongue. Be to laughing. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. It's so rude. Oh. Yeah, it is so rude, and yet there is something about it that is just like every it's every so ridiculous every WWE like like reshowing of like velocity and freaking yeah. like heat and flipping like the wwe experience in this country every time i've had surgery five times in my left knee <laughs> we know <laughs> it's almost as worse as the how do you fall off a 20 foot ladder he don't have a damn clue where he is <laughs> but anyway let us go in for a kind of kind of cliff notes of what would ray would do up to this time he would end up uh winning the intercontinental championship against jbl at wrestlemania for a little bit there he would end up having a rivalry with chris jericho a very heated rivalry during the time of chris jericho ended up um and then we kind of get a bit more into 2009 2010 uh when we get to his rivalry with uh cm punk and the straight edge society which again brought ray's family back into the fold <laughs> Of course, this led to the very famous mask versus hair match over the limit, which mm -hmm. saw um, Mysterio shave CM Punk's head completely bald because as was the gimmick of the Straight Edge Society, they would take plants and people from the crowd and shave them bald so they could be clean of the ills of society. Except for CM Punk, who looked way too much like Charles Manson at this point. Yeah, but then yeah, he, he looked. But they ended up shaving his head bald, and of course, as everyone knows, they had that very famous moment where CM Punk donned in a donned in a mask, was on top of a ladder, and a bald Big Show removed his mask. To yeah. I still think the greatest visual of CM Punk looking so silly, going ah, ah, ah a Big Show with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. I still love that steel, and I think I still have it somewhere it's stored beautiful. on my laptop. <laughs> but a great rivalry, one of my one of my favourites. And again, Punk and Mysterio worked really well together. This brings me to uh, kind of like one of the very last kind of uh, notable things that Mysterio had done, uh, if you ask me, which was uh, during the summer of Punk, when Punk uh, took his ball... And ran off. I took the WWE title, I should say, and ran off with it at Money of the Bank 2011. Uh, set up a tournament on the next night on Raw, which which saw who would win the WWE Championship. Uh, after a grueling tournament, uh, the week later in the finals, Rey Mysterio would claim his first WWE Championship. Then John Cena wins. Lol. Like, like I said, uh, frankly, I think this borders on on a crime. So, John Cena, being the person that was WWE champion and lost it, Money of the Bank, straight after this match in a backstage segment, congratulates Ray, and then wants to challenge him for the title in the main event of the same Raw. Proving once again that John Cena is fucking Homelander, and no one just, and just no one like comments on it. <laughs> just ah, 
It makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. Uh, but of course, I guess, you know, it did give us the visual of Cena winning and then Punk returning, coming out to Cult of Personality with the WWE Championship. So mm. that's something. I don't know. Uh, so like, the final little bits and pieces here during his first run with the WWE, he ended up having a short-lived tag team with Sin Cara. Um, and then kind of during his final few months, ended up kind of being in the lower mid card and being in the opening kind of bits here and there. As a matter of fact, at WrestleMania 30, Mysterio competed at the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, but was eliminated by Cesaro. He wouldn't, he would appear on the April 7th episode of Raw, losing to Bad News Barrett, but would take time off to heal a wrist injury. But it was at this time that he requested his release from WWE. But they, but WWE, in a shitty move, had extended his contract without his approval. Wow. Oh, okay. Just in a do real that, shitty then. move. But it was after that, Ray was like, right, you do that then. I ain't coming to work. Bye. Big so instead of returning to WWE programming, he was released and would appear soon after at Triple A's Triple Mania in a video message and had also visited Lucha Underground. And it wasn't until February 26th yeah. that uh, Rey Mysterio that would uh, actually uh, be released and his contract would be expired with the WWE. Again, which brings me to his great, great time at Lucha Underground and, his, and him killing it, really, in the indies at this time. So, not only, of course, did he go back to AAA and have a, a, an amazing amazing feuds here with Los Perros de Mal, the, the team of Los Perros de Mal, which saw him go up against Pedro Guayo and Pentagon Jr. He would end up going to Lucha Underground and just absolutely killing it as he always does. Yep, yep, yep. He would make a couple of appearances here and there at New Japan and of course we've talked about it uh, was part of the all-in pay-per-view teaming up with Phoenix and Bandido in the main event against the Golden Trio, uh, the Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi, which, oh, that was an insanely good main event. <laughs> Just knowing that fact seems confusing to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy when you think, like, if things had gone another way, Rey Mysterio could have been an integral part of AEW. That would have been crazy. <laughs> Like, it, it, it just feels confusing to me because I'm like, yes, I know he was at All In. I know because I watched it. <laughs> it's crazy to know that during that year, uh, of several months removed, he ended up doing his guest appearance uh, at the 2018 Royal Rumble, coming in at number 28. Yeah. I remember popping huge for that. Oh, yeah. I remember popping Ray huge. Mysterio. <laughs> And of course, I think that was the time when the stem cells kicked in. Wow, <laughs> the stem cells kicked in and then so that dude got huge. I still remember, if, if anyone's seen the, the picture that of him on Twitter, no, not the one where he goes, I just got WWE 13, yeah. can't wait to beat up my kids. Not that one. <laughs> but the one where he was just had done a, a gym session swole as all heck. 
I still think that's one of the that, one of the greatest tweets on, in, in the history of Twitter. It's oh that that tweet every so often it comes up again, and, and I feel emo- I I get a boost of serotonin. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Ray was in terrific shape. And I mean, because I remember during like the last part of his run, he ended up wearing kind of like overshirts uh, to kind yeah. of match his, uh, his, uh, his ring trunks. Um, but then when he came back, no, I'm feeling confident to dick the shirt and I'm putting tights back on. Look at me. I am brick shithouse Ray Mysterio. <laughs> yeah. I I used to be Spider-Man and now I am Venom. <laughs> yes. Oh, Ray Mysterio, but make it wedge. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my god. Oh, Ray Dorito. Yeah. And, and thus we come to pretty much where we are right now. Uh Ray would come back in twenty in late twenty eighteen. Having a few programs here and there with Andrade, Shinsuke Nakamura would end up winning the US Championship. And of course, the most modern thing we've got now is him teaming with his son Dominic. And I still, to the life of me, cannot understand why they're trying to splinter those two off and have a father-son rivalry. Just bin the whole thing. Just don't do it. Stop it. Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. stop it, WWE. And that's, yeah, we come to the kind of like where we are with Rey Mysterio, which kind of leads me to the question kind of like I've, I've had on my mind since writing this. Where do you see Rey Mysterio kind of in the in the history of Lucha Libre and professional wrestling as a whole? That's both a very difficult question and yet a very easy one at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so on a personal note, there are many like I've had many favorite wrestlers over the years. But as we probably, as we, as we have mentioned, Rey Mysterio holds a special place in the heart of every short king. Yes. <laughs> as I wouldn't know that. He is, he is, yeah, you wouldn't, but trust me. <laughs> Rey Mysterio is shorter than I am, and yet goes Basically, he wrestles how every short person wishes they could wrestle. (laughs) (laughs) And thus, he has always, always, always meant a lot to me. Every single time. And the fact that he never turned heel in WWE Mm. meant a lot as well. Just the steadfast, perfect baby face. Yes. Um... And, And in terms of history... He's he's the reason I know about luchadors. He frankly, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, when it comes to me, uh, I mean, you say about the impact of Rey Mysterio on wrestling and where he is in wrestling history. Um, I don't think there's any debate that he's anything but a legend for the industry yeah. as a whole. Like he. You know, you can you can pretty much name like any amount of fi- any amount of things as to why he why he should be. But honestly, the biggest thing I'd look to now is you know in the the current generation of wrestlers, you know the wrestlers that are kind of going around that are kind of all roughly 
our age mm. especially ones that are around mm. my age so you know kind of like uh, early 20s or so there's so many of them cite Rey Mysterio as an inspiration yeah <laughs> even the ones that aren't trying to do lucha stuff <laughs> God, the amount of kind of like articles and news like interviews I see of so many wrestlers. Shout outs to Ringsiders for being bloody awesome, getting or, or getting great interviews. Raise the name that always crops up of of guys who, uh, of guys who were you know of wrestlers today that they were watching when they were kids and that absolutely yeah, and, loved. And, and as as Riddim was saying, you know. If you look less so on the wrestler side and look on like the the audience side, I'm sure for a whole bunch of people out there, Rey Mysterio was the first exposure to lucha wrestling. Yeah, I feel like that he was the pathway for them to even know what this thing is, let alone yeah. experience, engage, and interact with it on a deeper level. Yeah, so. This, uh, I would say, this side of El Santo, I genuinely think Ray's mask is the most iconic lucha mask in, in, in like, well, wrestling so it, history. So it, it, it really it, it's is. kind of like, uh, as I said with El Santo, El Santo is, you know, in Mexico, El Santo is lucha libre. Mm. Yes. In the US and abroad, Ray Mysterio is lucha libre. Yeah. He is the figure to which all others will forever be compared he he is the you know the the visual point of reference i say while i've literally got a thing with ray mysterious face on it in front of me <laughs> <laughs> like he he is the cultural kind of icon if you will yeah. outside of mexico <laughs> yeah without doubt with all that with that being said about el santo don't you find it a crying shame that Rey mysterio hasn't been the star in many a, in many a b movie see you say that but then i then kind of think like yeah that like i mean i think i think there should be more luchadors in films in general <laughs> yeah really they're like, untapped like market. honestly that uh, yeah it, it is an untapped market entirely like, like, you know what? That's kind of a thing. Why haven't, like... There, there's, I'm sure there is, like, one banger, old-school, modern luchador movie out ready to go. I'm sure there is one banger. And we're not caught, just, And it's not I'm Nacho Libre. Right? I stick I'm, up for I'm, Nacho I'm, Libre, but... Look, I'm just saying, right? Surely, you, like, someone could have thought, like... You know what? Let's put like Rey Mysterio in Fast and the Furious. Oh, that would be oh, that would be just oh, man. like I'm I'm gonna hate forever that that's not a thing. Like you know you know just <laughs> something something like something like that. Or right here's a bigger question: Why are there no film studios reviving like El Santo B movies? That's what I'm saying. With Rey Mysterio versus the Killer Vampire Women. I want to see that. I want to see that. You know, Mitch, that, like, you know we, why? Why are we not? Why are we not having like Pentagon Junior versus Frankenstein? Because Raiden's head would explode. Uh, my head would explode. Or better shit. yet, get a partnership. Now you've got the part, the sweet partnership with Warner, the Lucha Brothers versus Sub Zero and Scorpion. Just it, See, it writes look, itself. They, it writes itself. This is. I know we're like way off track at this point, 
and I know, I'm, and I know that we we said that um, in the future we're going to commit to doing an episode about about fighting games and wrestling. Yes. Right. Could you? Because because Mortal Kombat's on their kick, right? Hmm. Yes. Of like including like licensed people and not you know like they did like Terminator and stuff like that. Hmm. You might, like Mortal Kombat, and then it just has Pentagon in it. <laughs> yes. Why isn't Rey Mysterio in a version of Street Fighter or Tekken or whatever other fighting game you prefer? See, people, this is why. This is probably why they're gearing up to be sold to Disney, so they can take every single intellectual property and throw them all of their fighting games. All I'm saying is, if they when they do get round to that point. Rey Mysterio is covered for gear for the rest of his career. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Marvel versus WWE coming out on Xbox 15 in 2042. See? look, there you go. There You've you already go. solved it. It's, it's done. <laughs> so, yeah, shall I bring it back in and try and wrap up this episode? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that does conclude our episode and indeed our month for Hispanic Heritage Month. It's been a hell of a journey. And I tell you what, lads, I've enjoyed looking into just a little bit and dipping my toes into the history of Lucha Libre. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I mean, I love it because I find Lucha an absolutely fascinating world. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially in how far it actually is quite separate from American wrestling, mm. which is kind of, you know, the, the quote-unquote universal standard. It's obviously not, but... Yes, and so like there's been lots of really cool, interesting reading that I've had the chance to do throughout this, and kind of get an understanding of, you know, what lucha fans prefer, yeah, compared to American audiences, because mm. um, like, um, it's like when uh, I was talking to a lot of people about the, uh, it was the, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks in in the cage match, yeah. And there were a lot of people like, oh, flippy, you know, all that stuff. And then, like, I got into talking with some with some people who were Lucha fans. They said, like, oh, yeah, it's just a Lucha match. <laughs> and, like, that was okay. Mm. Yeah. And that people were like, oh, you're, uh, spot fest and everything like that. And that actually, like, for fans in Mexico, that's kind of what just what they want. <laughs> <laughs> And like, literally, it's I, not even it, a spot it, fest. And it's like, it, it's interesting getting a real sense of this like completely different world of wrestling, and that even though like Japanese wrestling is like its own like completely removed world, mm. I find that there's like um, a lot of Western love for it. Yeah that's kind of from like grown from like the nineties going through and that there's always lots of Western love, but actually in terms of coverage of old Lucha, it's a lot harder to find stuff. And there isn't that same love from people in the West. Mm. Mm. I mean, I guess in this, I'm saying Europe and America, <laughs> but that, that there is a, there's a really rich history of, really interesting stuff to dive into in this if you have the time and the ability to yeah and i think it's something that more people should take on yeah no yeah. absolutely if that's if, if show some love for lucha libre if that's to, if, if this month's taught me anything it's absolutely to to, to to absolutely love 
and embrace the rich history of Lucha Libre. Can't wait to do it next year. Oh, it's oh going I'm to be great. so ready for it. But with one special themed month comes another special themed month. Because starting next week, we are celebrating UK Black History Month. And we are going to... Oh, I've been so excited for this. Because we're going to be doing retrospectives and character profiles and some of the most iconic black wrestlers to ever step foot in the squared circle and we're gonna start off stoking the fire hot because <laughs> next week's episode we're gonna be talking and doing a retrospective on quite arguably one of the most naturally gifted professional wrestlers ever so gifted and so iconic is he that people still talk about him to this day and beg for at least one more go around in a professional wrestling ring yes we are doing a retrospective on the alpha male monty brown yeah, i can't lie this boy. might be the episode where i cry oh same same because like i know the story of monty brown and i'm this is why i'm so excited about it this dude has such an incredible history um before in his time in the nfl to leading up to to, to becoming a wrestler and eventually landing him in tna and having a and i truly iconic run there and of course leading up to his uh to, to being in the wwe um if we can get it kind of, I believe we might have, have wrangled around. If we can get it wrangled around with this one as, as well, Dan, we might have a couple of people chatting about their love yes. for Monty Brown on this episode as well, correct? It, that's the hope. That's oh, Well, this is basically the call, basically. Is that anyone who actually loves Monty Brown and wants to talk about Monty Brown, you come in. Record your piece and we'll pop it on the podcast and on our socials for next week. But that I look forward to it. I'm really looking forward to this week, uh, to this whole month for UK Black History Month. Uh, well, oh, I forgot as well. We are doing a very special Great Wrestlers You Never Knew during this month as well. Very yes, much we looking are. forward to that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, yeah. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Reardon and Dan. You have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We will see you all on the next one. Bye. Remember, everyone, to pray to Jesus always. <laughs> praise Jesus, praise R and Jesus. Boyaka. Well,